0: There's often a lot of confusion about who the Holy Spirit is. And honestly, before you really know who He is, it's difficult to trust Him because you don't know what His motivation is. The Bible teaches us that God is one being. We worship one God as Christians, but within His one being are the three distinct persons of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son or Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit no one of those persons within the being of God or any more or less God. But really the best way to remember this is that God is one being. We serve one God, that's the main fact. And then the subordinate fact to that is though, even though he is one being within his one being, he has always shown himself to us in the persons of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son or Jesus and God the Holy Spirit. The reason why I bring that up is when we think of the Holy Spirit, often we don't know what to do with him because some people make him overly mystical and they attribute, you know, every four leaf clover to his ministry and other people kind of are afraid and neglect him. And so we find them having more of an arm's length idea and welcoming of the Holy Spirit rather than embracing him. Remember, the Bible teaches us in John chapter 14 that the Holy Spirit comes to only reveal the things that Jesus has for us. So when we welcome the Holy Spirit's ministry, we are not opening ourselves up to everything in the spirit realm. We are only opening ourselves to the spirit of God. And that's safe. Jesus even promised in Luke 11:11 that if we would seek for the Holy Spirit, that God would not allow us to have a counterfeit. You can read that in Luke 11:11. Well, over the years in our Holy Spirit conference ministry, as we travel around the United States and Canada and overseas, uh, God has given me an illustration that I have just spoken before, but today I want to try to demonstrate it for you. And if you've heard this before, I hope that this cements even better and I will try not to, well, well, I'll try not to lick my fingers, honestly. So here's how this illustration works. You and I are like a donut, but not the donut with the hole in the middle, because that's kind of a loser donut, right? It has air in the middle, but a donut that's getting ready to be filled, right? So you and I, before we're saved, this is who we are. We are and have a being, we have identity, but we don't have God inside of us. And the Bible teaches us that at the moment of our salvation, God comes and he injects, and I'm going to try to not make a mess. He injects the chocolate cream filling of the Holy Spirit inside of us. Now, the Bible doesn't say chocolate. That's my modification. See if I can get it going here. Come on. He injects the chocolate cream filling of the Holy Spirit inside of us. Whew. Oh, that looks good. Look at that. See that? Mm. Thank God for chocolate, right? <laughs> he injects the chocolate cream filling of the Holy Spirit to come and live inside of us when the, from the moment we're saved. Now, whether you sense the Holy Spirit or not, He is inside of you from the moment that you're saved until God forbid, and please don't do this, that you would turn your back and walk away from Jesus. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us. He sense, He gives us the sense of God's presence and belonging. Maybe not when we're sitting in the recliner watching TV, but whenever we're doing anything drawing near to God, when we're praying, when we're worshiping, when we're reading our Bible, uh, we can sense God's presence because the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. And some of the best scripture on this is like Romans chapter eight, verse nine, where Paul says, um, well, in all of chapter eight, he talks about God, putting the Holy spirit inside of us. But in Romans eight, nine, Paul says it even more clearly. If you do not have the Holy spirit living inside of you, you don't belong to Jesus. Or you can think about Paul's writing to the Corinthian church. When he said that our body, our carcass, our donut is the temple of the Holy spirit who lives inside of us. Now, the interior ministry of the Holy spirit is primarily for our own interior moral purity transformation, and it's really all about holiness and character, right? So God has that work for us by the Holy Spirit, but we're going to look today at another ministry of the Holy Spirit where God wants to come and empower us, not just for inward transformation, but for outward ministry, because every Christian is called by God to do ministry, actually that's one of the greatest sources of fulfillment we can find in life. So though we have the chocolate of the Holy Spirit already inside of us, Jesus promises that he would take us and baptize us or dunk us or coat us or enrobe us in the chocolate glaze of the Holy Spirit on the outside trying not to make a mess. Ooh, that's hot. And uh, that we would be covered and coated in the Holy Spirit's ministry so that we could have transformation. And so not only having the Holy Spirit's ministry inside, but having his ministry outside. I apologize. I have chocolate on my fingers. I got to take care of it. Oh, thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Well, so the inward ministry of the Spirit affects us interior, our interior, our inside, and the outward coating clothing, getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. Coats are outside, and kind of like a a box of assorted donuts. Have you ever noticed the ones with a chocolate glaze on the outside just seem to naturally stick to and rub off on all the other donuts around? Well, this is exactly what Jesus is talking about in Acts 1 8 when he tells the believers that he is going to baptize, dunk them in the Holy Spirit. Let me read a few scriptures. We'll read that one in just a second. But let me read a scripture that kind of sets this up. In Luke 24, Jesus is speaking to the believers now. He has already died and risen again, and he's in that 40 day period, or 40 or so day period between his resurrection, and his ascension into heaven. And during this time, he speaks to them, and Acts 1 says, gives many convincing proofs that he's alive. Here's one of those times. He speaks in Luke 24, 46 through 49. Look at this with me. And he said, that's Jesus, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. And here's the message. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. You are witnesses of these things. And now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you or covers you with power from on high. Now, then Jesus, right before he ascended to heaven, we read this scripture in Acts chapter one, another appearance of Jesus to the believers. After he's died, they've already put their faith in him. The chocolate is already inside of their donut. They believe that Jesus is the son of God, the resurrected Christ. They are as saved as you and I are in our New Testament spiritual status. And Jesus makes this promise, but you will receive power ability when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And then after Jesus ascended to heaven, a few days later, perhaps a week, the Bible recounts the events of the day of Pentecost. Now, Pentecost is one of the three major feasts celebrated in the Old Testament, instituted by God through Moses, and then still happening in the New Testament, and still celebrated by Jews and actually many Christians. Um, it's this, the celebration focusing on the giving of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, on the main feast day, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Now, this is not kind of the end where this experience stops, but this demonstrates the actual process and experience of someone who is already saved. You already have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Remember, that's so important. Every Christian has the Holy Spirit. Living inside of them. But Jesus wants to empower us to do more ministry, more than our normal skill set can pull off. You know, we can only do what is naturally possible. And Jesus wants to anoint every one of us. There's no more qualification other than that we've been born again or saved no more qualification than that then jesus wants us to pray and seek until we would have our own personal day of pentecost experience so when we think about the holy spirit's ministry and we think specifically about the holy spirit already being inside of us as a christian remember the the chocolate inside of the donut but then he wants to take us and give us outward effect by dunking us, baptizing us, drenching us, coating us. Jesus, even in Luke 24, uh, previous to the first scripture we read, talks about receiving the clothing of the Holy Spirit, the outward garment. He wants us to have outward effect in ministering to other people. You know, on a practical basis, if you stop and you think, wouldn't you like to do more for God than you're already doing? I mean, you know, if we had just limitless resources, limitless finances, limitless ability, limitless everything, limitless help, wouldn't we want to do more? Well, that's what this baptism in the Holy Spirit is all about. In fact, this baptism in the Holy Spirit is the central theme of an entire book of the Bible, the book of Acts, and it shows us going through on five different times, people or large groups of people after the resurrection of Jesus being baptized or drenched in the Holy Spirit, getting that limitless supernatural ministry ability so they can kind of stick and rub off on other people around them like the chocolate donuts, right? And he gives us that ability so that we can do great things for the Lord, things we could never do by ourselves, receiving power to be His witnesses, to do that ministry. When we think of the power of the Holy Spirit, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, there are two lasting benefits of being baptized in the Holy Spirit, and we find both of these in our text here in Acts chapter 2. Um, They were all together on the day of Pentecost. The Bible tells us previously in Luke uh, 24, 49, that they stayed in the city every day, going to the temple, praying, praising, worshiping, seeking the Lord. And these two lasting benefits of being baptized in the Holy Spirit enable us and equip us, not only on a personal level, because we have to have the Holy Spirit inside of us before Jesus will pour the Holy Spirit outwardly upon us, but these benefits have to do with ministry, with doing things we could never do before. The first is prophetic encounter. The second is prophetic bravery. Let's talk about prophetic encounter for a moment. Sometimes when people hear the word prophetic, they think, you know, that's some spooky weird thing or some guy with like a sandwich card walking down the street going, the end is near with a big scraggly easy top beard or something like that, you know. But that's not what I'm talking about. The idea of being prophetic in the Bible is simply someone that belongs to God, hearing from Him, and then speaking and declaring. It speaks of, of uh, being kind of a, a person that stands in the middle and says the things that God wants you to say. But before you can say the things that God wants you to say, you have to be able to hear Him. And this is really where the baptism in the Holy Spirit kicks in for a Christian. Now, of course, this is not to say that someone that's saved cannot hear the Holy Spirit until they're baptized in the Spirit. Not at all. In fact, someone that's, if you've been saved, you can minister and witness, but the baptism in the Holy Spirit is a dramatic bump up of power, like going from being a AA battery to being three-phase hardwired AC 440 voltage. It's just a dramatic difference. So think of What you're already doing for the Lord, He'll give you more power to do more with greater effectiveness with heaven's resources. So let's look at that prophetic encounter for a moment. In Acts 2 4, the Bible shows us, um, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. And just so you know, Luke uses that term filled to not speak of an interior activity, but an upon one. He uses those words really clearly. Um, It's just kind of sometimes getting translated from Greek to English, we miss kind of some of those. Um, nuances, no big deal. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. The other and languages there in the original Greek that this scripture was translated into English for us from is Uh, heteros glossius, heteros, another of a totally different kind, glossius language, right? So they, when the Spirit of God came upon them, the Holy Spirit began to prompt them, and they began to act upon that prompting. So when we think of prophetic encounter, number one, you and I have to press in and seek the Lord. If you think about it, in the Bible, all of the people that encounter the Lord, Old Testament, New Testament, went after him. In fact, it could be said that you and I could have as much of God in our lives as we want. Perhaps we're only a season or two of prayer away from receiving God's best. So learning how to seek and how to encounter, and in, in just a few moments as we wrap things up today, uh, I'm going to guide you and spend some time with you in prayer, even through you know the media of video, and spend some time seeking the Lord with you, and we're going to encounter the Lord's presence as we draw near. But then the second thing, the Holy Spirit will begin to fall upon us. So this prophetic encounter has the you and I drawing near, and then the second dimension within that spirit encounter, the Holy Spirit falling upon us. Now remember the Holy. Holy spirit doesn't fall upon us out of his own will or volition the holy spirit falls upon us clearly as jesus baptizes us coats us in the holy spirit now that's really important because remember everything in our christian life is focused on jesus you already know jesus as your savior i hope you know him as your healer or deliverer or many of the other wonderful things he's done but you know him as he's prophesied in matthew mark luke john and acts to be your baptizer in the Holy Spirit, the one who drenches you, immerses you in the Holy Spirit. So number one is learning how to seek under this encounter, prophetic encounter. And then number two is then Jesus pours out his Holy Spirit. We experience his presence. You felt God's presence before. He doesn't come and hit you with a taser gun or defibrillator. You sense this supernatural, uh, supra sensory. You know, not the normal five senses awareness. God is here. He stirs us way down deep, where no human being could ever stir us, where no one could ever manipulate us, and in, in a deep spiritual, visceral level. You know. So the Holy Spirit comes as Jesus pours the Holy Spirit upon us. Everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now check this next part out here in the text and they began speaking in other tongues as the Holy Spirit was giving them the ability. It's clear in the text that they spoke in tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them the ability. So number one, the Holy Spirit came upon them, prophetic encounter, they experienced his presence. And then the second part in there, the Holy Spirit prompted them, gave them the ability, and then they acted upon it. Now, in this way it's written here, it sounds like it happened very quickly together, but there are really three stages that are recorded. Spirit falls upon them. Spirit gives them prompting. They respond to the prompting. Remember, speaking in tongues, praying in tongues is not some automatic passive thing where you just lay there and they put an IV in your arm. And you wake up two days later speaking in tongues in your doctor's office. This is not a passive thing. This is not voodoo. You're not out of control. You might have heard people use the term like ecstatic or whatever. The Bible actually never uses that term. You're not out of oneself or even necessarily in a state of ecstasy. In fact, you'll probably find that when you begin to find the Spirit's promptings and begin to speak in tongues and pray in tongues as the Spirit enables you, that you're not you know, passed out high or whatever, you're more aware of the Lord and more aware of the people around you. And you are actively choosing to humble yourself and participate in this activity. So that first stage, prophetic encounter with the two sub-stages there, learning how to seek and encounter him. We're gonna do that in a moment. And then number two, experiencing his presence as Jesus pours out the Holy Spirit upon us. But the second lasting benefit of being baptized in the Holy Spirit is prophetic bravery. Again, prophetic is a human being that's experiencing God and acting upon it, right? So this is bravery. This is boldness. This is confidence. It is not arrogance. It is not pushiness, but it is bravery and confidence and, air and and strength to do what God wants us to do. So when we think of prophetic bravery, we go back to that Acts 2, 4 scripture, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. So that first uh, benefit of being baptized in the spirit, that prophetic encounter, we pray and seek until the Holy Spirit comes upon us. But then here's that second lasting benefit, prophetic bravery. When his presence falls upon you, you know it's God, right? How many times have you sensed his presence before? Have you ever stopped and gone, hmm, I'm here in church worshiping, praying, reading my Bible, whatever, and I really sense his presence? Sometimes we sense his presence very powerfully, sometimes very mildly, and perhaps sometimes not at all because we're tired or sick or whatever, that's fine. But when we sense his presence, you know this is something else. This is not normal human experience. This is not my five senses. This is God, and it stirs your heart in a different level. So the prophetic bravery, number one, you identify it's God's presence, His presence, the presence of His Spirit is coming upon you. And then secondly, when His Spirit is upon you, He begins to prompt you. Now when you're being baptized in the Spirit, the book of Acts shows us the first sign confirming this experience happening for you is the Holy Spirit beginning to prompt you with a different language, that other tongue or other language. Now this is not the whole gift, this is just a small part And over the years, I've used the illustration uh, many times, you might've heard it actually, but when you go to a store, they give you a receipt to prove that that's yours. If you went to McDonald's and got a a cheeseburger, they gave you the receipt and you're standing there at the counter waiting for it, um, holding on, waiting for your number to be called. Can you imagine if you got the receipt, you walked out the door and ate the receipt and left the burger there? You know, this is the same way. The uh, receipt of being baptized in the spirit is the language of the spirit, but the actual burger of it is power to do ministry. A lot of people, unfortunately, they'll pray and seek until they experience the receipt, the sign of tongues, that confirmation, but then they don't ever do anything with it. They don't ever talk to their neighbor. And honestly, what good is it if you can speak in tongues if you won't speak to your neighbor? This is about this prophetic bravery. Think about what God is doing, and many of you will experience this for the first time in just a moment as we pray and seek together. The Holy Spirit comes upon you, you say, This is God. Yes, I know this is God's presence. He's the Holy Spirit's lived inside of me. I, this presence I've sensed before. Here he is. Thank you, Lord. Right? And then when he comes upon you, then you quiet down and listen. It's difficult to find the Holy Spirit's prompting when you're talking and yelling and all that stuff. So when the Holy Spirit moves upon you, then you quiet down and listen because your job is not to find something in your thoughts or in your brain, but to find the prompting, that utterance, that prompting will come from where the Holy Spirit is working and moving inside of you in that deep level that goes beyond our understanding. All of a sudden, sounds, words, syllables, different words, not, not hallelujah, not thank you, Jesus, not words you learned on a missions trip sometime previously, but different words, different sounds will begin to come to you. And right away, your analytical mind will say, that's kooky, that can't be it. But you have to stop for a moment and say, wait a minute, I can't measure supernatural data with my own brain, because my brain is natural. So we measure it against the Word of God, which shows this to be the normal experience. And then also think, when did those promptings come to you? They came to you when the Holy Spirit's presence was manifest upon you. That's where that prophetic bravery comes from. So the Spirit of God will come upon you, and then all of a sudden you'll say, you know what? I'm not 100% sure with my brain because my brain doesn't understand this, but deep inside I sense God's presence and stirring and rising up, bubbling up, uh, coming upon me, and I'm going to take that step of faith, and you must choose then to speak out loud the words God gives you. Now, honestly, praying in tongues is between you and the Lord. Nobody ever needs to hear you do it. It's a beautiful thing. It's not the most important thing in our Christianity. But it is an important beautiful part it's deeply personal deeply spiritual and in my own life and in the life of your pastor and leaders praying in tongues is a deeply spiritual part of our walk with god even paul would say i thank god and value it so highly i think i do it more than all of you put together was kind of his uh, hyperbole statement but he was trying to state the value of that experience but honestly When you and I are praying and seeking the Lord and sense his presence and get the confidence of his presence, and we become aware of those promptings, and we become aware and are able to discern them enough to be able to agree with them and speak out loud and say and act upon his promptings, that is the prophetic bravery kicking in saying, I am willing to do something I normally wouldn't do because I know God is with me, because I know God is prompting me. Do you see how that's going to work in the days ahead then as you and I go and share our faith with our family and with our friends? And that's exactly how this works. He wants to help us. So it's the same way tomorrow when when you're at work, when, you, when you're at school, when you're you know talking to your neighbor or whatever the circumstance might be and you sense the Holy Spirit, you just quietly begin to draw near when you sense the presence of the Holy Spirit stirring you inside, you listen. That's being prophetic. You listen for the prompting Now, he's not going to prompt you to speak in tongues to your neighbor. That's between you and God. That's perfect prayer, Romans 8 says. But instead, he'll prompt you in your known language to speak to them. This is the beauty of what spirit baptism is, receiving power to do ministry, to be witnesses. I want to spend just a few moments with you, if I can, in prayer, seeking together the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, of Jesus pouring out His Holy Spirit upon us. And just like we talked about in the text, there are three basic stages in people being baptized in the Spirit. Number one, we draw near to Jesus. Our prayer and our attention is focused on Him. And then secondly, Jesus will respond and he may often respond quicker than we think he should by pouring out his Holy Spirit upon us. You'll sense him, you'll experience him. And then number three, while he is upon us, our job, our role is to stop talking out of our brain and start finding the prompting deep inside where the Holy Spirit is stirring and be filled with confidence enough that we're willing to act upon it and speak it, getting that prophetic flow where we're getting the promptings of God, we're confidently uh, realizing it's Him, and then we're taking a step out of faith upon it so that God can use us in a supernatural new way. However, let me just say that maybe someone has never yet given their life to Christ. Maybe you're watching this today and you say, I'm hungry for more of God, but I don't even know if I belong to Him. The Bible makes it really clear how you and I can become right with God the Bible uses terms like saved or salvation or born again or born of the spirit regenerated those words all mean the same thing becoming right with God on his terms a lot of times people try to get right with God on their own terms first but we can only be right with God on his terms and that happens through you and I praying in fact Prayer is the normal way people receive from God all through the Bible and all through history. If you ever need to receive from God, remember that prayer is the normal way we receive from Him. And today, if you don't know if you're right with God, I invite you to pray this with me. But I wanna ask everyone that does know that you're right with God, to take this 30 seconds and pray your own fresh prayer of surrender and repentance before the Lord. Get a fresh cleansing in your heart. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is your one and only Son and that no one else can save me from my sin but Jesus alone and Lord I have sinned I've sinned against you I've sinned against others and I've even sinned against myself and I am unable to fix that but you can Savior save me wash me clean I accept your work on the cross and your resurrection to be more than enough to bring me from darkness to light and into your family. And Lord Jesus, I not only accept you as the one who rescues me, my savior, but I also accept you as my Lord and King, the one who rules over me. From this day forward, I submit to your leadership, your lordship, your ways and leading in my life. Thank you, Lord, for doing that. Lord, give us all a fresh cleansing, I pray, right now. Thank you, Lord. Now, I just want to encourage you as we dive into a few moments of seeking the Holy Spirit's presence. Would you be willing to be a little goofy? I promise you, I'm going to be goofier than you ever will. But maybe you're at home, maybe you're in your car, maybe you're on your back porch. Uh, if you're in a room with a couple other people, just look at each other right now and give them a thumbs up. Hey, we're going to be goofy. Now, what I mean by that is I want to invite you to lift your voice. You don't have to yell or scream. Please don't scream. But lift your voice out loud so you can hear your own voice. And maybe if there's someone else in the room, maybe they could even hear you talk. Maybe you want to stand up to change your position. I want to encourage you to lift a hand or two to the Lord. And let's just begin to draw near. Come on, you want this. So let's put action and activity towards this promise. Jesus wants to baptize you, or if you've already been baptized in the spirit, he wants to give you a fresh encounter, an updated anointing. Come on, let's pray together. I dare you, would you lift your voice with me? Oh Jesus, I need you so much. Oh, I love you, Lord. Thank you for your goodness, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Thank you for your salvation. That's it, just lift your voice and begin to thank him out loud. Don't be afraid of the sound of your voice. Oh, I love you, Lord, so much. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, just come and become so real right now. Wherever my friends are watching right now, come, Lord, by your Spirit, and begin to move upon us. Come on, just out loud thank Him for your salvation right now. Jesus, thank you that you would rescue me, that you would wash me. I love you so much, Jesus. There's no one like you. There's no one like you. Thank you, Lord. Oh, I lift a hand to you. I reach to you, Lord Jesus. Oh, come on. I dare you. Why not lift a hand to the Lord? I know you'll feel goofy and self-conscious, but just lift it up. Reach to him like a child reaching up to their parent, asking their parent to pick them up into their arms. Oh, Jesus, come right now and help us. I pray, yes, let there just be a release of your presence right now, wherever my friends are seeking you and praying right now. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Now, right now, friends, I just encourage you, would you out loud begin to welcome Jesus to begin to pour out and baptize you in the Holy Spirit? However you say it is fine, but use some of those words. Welcome, Jesus, to pour out His Holy Spirit upon you. Oh, sweet Jesus, would you come now and would you begin to pour out your Holy Spirit upon my friends? Yeah, let them sense you, Lord, way down deep where no one else could ever sense you. Thank you.